hello, hello, and welcome to week 41 of the 52 week film project. We are back. It's been a while. Um, what did we What did we do last time, Will? What did we, we talk did about? We did Detective Pikachu, Jake. Back in and the... it was fucking fun. It was very fun. Back in yesterday. <laughs> but, uh, this isn't quite as exciting as the way we introduced the last episode. Last time we did this, we were both sat together, drunk as anything, Very singing drunk. the "Gotta Catch 'Em All" Pikachu Pokemon soundtrack, which I listen um, back to, and I am a professional singer. Sometimes, um, no, you're not. <laughs> I sing professional for fun. Singer, I sing for fun. Professional actor, professional dancer. I'm a professional. Um, <laughs> But Jake, you were giving me a run for your money, with, for my money. Um, it was very impressive. Your sultry tones. I always thought that if I actually had singing lessons, I'd be, I'd be half bad. Half bad. <laughs> As opposed like, to bad now. I, I'm, I'm modest. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm, fair. I'm not going to be. I'm not going to be mediocre. I'm not going to be average. I'm not going to be good. Yeah, half bad. But half bad. I half reckon bad. I could achieve with some lessons. Yeah. Okay. Um, but that's, you know, this isn't a fucking singing podcast, is it, Will? This is a film podcast. No, very, very uh, true. We are here to love slash hate a new movie this week. Uh, we are reviewing X-Men Dark Phoenix. Yes, we are. Um, long, long overdue film. I mean, fucking hell, like they had reshoots for days. Um, they probably even postponed it because of Sansa Stark film in the final season of Game of Thrones, for all we know. Um, it took forever. It had about 500 different directors, but it's finally out. And uh, it's had a bit of a shit box office, hasn't it? It's made... It's really bad. Like, I was looking at the figures today and it said it was worse. It was up there with two of the worst, like, received box office films of all time. Steel, which was a f- film starring Shaquille O'Neal. Um, and then I feel I've never heard of. It's like Thieves of Darkness or something like that. Um and yeah, it's it's that bad. It is pretty poor as an opening weekend. It's worse than I think uh, Fantastic Four's film, which which was the which, which is, was the record. Which is funny because it's the same director again, Simon Kimberg. Yes. Um, or, or no, no, he was like executive producer on it or something. But basically, think, the yeah, guy directing Dark Phoenix, everything he touches seems to just. I mean, he's done. He's got a long lineage with the X Men films. Um, worked alongside Brian Singer, did all of that with the previous ones. Um, but since they kind of revamped X-Men about four years ago, it's just become a little bit shit. Um, and he is arguably the one to blame for that. Um, yeah. I think that I think that Brian Singer in X-Men 4 Apocalypse, which I've just watched in preparation for this pod, before I was, on a moral standpoint, considering I've loved the X-Men films for so long, I just saw the trailer for X-Men Apocalypse and thought, this is going to be a film that's just going to be shouting at me with big action scenes and ruin some of my favourite characters like Psylocke. Um, I watched it. It's every bit as terrible as I expected. It, is, it, say, is it really bad? Because I haven't watched it. Well, you know what? I remember... I, I, maybe, maybe that's an overstatement. I think the first hour and 40 minutes of it, because it's a two hour and 20 minute film, um, which is, hell. first of all, way too long. Um, the first hour and 40 minutes of it is essentially just scenes. It's scene to scene of essentially them building up an X-Men universe again. They have to get in uh, the, the creation of Cyclops. The Jean Grey has to be put in there. They've got to get Storm in there. They've got to get Magneto in different stakes. They've got to get Mystique back. Um, Beast has got to be blue, but not blue. Charles Xavier has got to ha- be bald eventually by the end of the film. So they've got all these plot points to set up and they just have scenes. <laughs> No, and I, honestly, I love how, I, I, hold on, sorry, I love no, how no, like everyone's got these like really meaty roles, and then for James McAvoy, they're like James, James, come here a minute, come here a minute, like, <laughs> like don't don't tell anyone else, but you you, you got an easy ride this time. Um, all you have to do is lose your hair. Yeah, <laughs> like we don't expect anything else. Just wheel around in your little magnetic chair and put on that weird helmet thing that lets you talk to people, and just lose your hair by the end of filming. Yeah, well, no, this is the point, Jake. The whole plot of X Men Apocalypse essentially is meaningless. It, oh, the only thing is that is important that comes from it is it, it's it's just there to explain how Charles Xavier got bald. That's it. That's pretty much the plot of the film. Um, and lots of things happen, but the last 40 minutes is... Re- I think but there's a line that I wrote down, which is when Charles Xavier and Apocalypse are fighting in Charles's mind palace. And it's definitely a mind palace, Jake, because it's got clouds. 
It's got clouds as they start it, <laughs> and then suddenly it opens, and you're suddenly in um, Xavier's mansion, and they're fighting, and then Apocalypse suddenly grows to ten feet tall and becomes something out of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, and then it's Charles, super Apocalypse, yeah, Zordon, and then, Zordon, and then and then Charles Xavier says this as he punches Apocalypse in his mind palace: "You're in my house now." I lost patience for the film. That was when it was over. As soon as "You're oh in my, my house now" was uttered, I was like, "That's that, that's it." See, everyone was so wary about Dark Phoenix, I think because of how bad that movie was. And I never watched it, so I kind of... I didn't... When they when they first announced they were doing this film, I was like, okay, great. So they're taking a storyline that they've already developed in X-Men The Last Stand, and it didn't really work. Yeah. And they've decided to somehow do it again, but this time with a weaker, younger cast that no one's really gelled with yet, and without Hugh Jackman as a love interest. And so I was thinking, oh, you know what? Like, I could take it or leave it. I really don't care about this film. And then you heard all the reshoot stuff, and it was like chaos on set, and you thought, like, oh, this film is just fucking doomed. Around the same time that... They released that really vague trailer for the New Mutants film, which was like the X-Men horror movie, um, which has now been canned. Um, And so when all of that happened, I thought, oh, God, like they're really, really like they're losing. They're losing this franchise. Um, And then they finally released the first trailer for Dark Phoenix. And you know what? Against everything that I thought, all my preconceived notions, which weren't even built up from that place of like apocalypse hate that a lot of people came from. Um, I watched the trailer and I thought, Do you know what? Like, it does actually look quite good. Like, mm. I, I like Sophie Turner. She's a good actress. Um, or she certainly has proved that in the last two or three years, maybe not at the start of her career. Um, I also... Y- you can't fault the fact that in these more modern X-Men films, James McAvoy and Michael Fassbender, they are a great duo. Like, the films can be absolutely rubbish and still they are quite... Mag- they're still quite you know engrossing they're in, they're they're enjoyable to watch oh, on screen 100%. together um and so i was thinking like when it sees when you see in the trailer that like phoenix turns up at like the the abandoned mutant colony the um eric is running and it, it, it all looked quite cool um and much better than i thought it was going to be and so i actually got fairly i didn't get excited but i got fairly into the idea of watching this film from a place of really not giving a shit yeah um, and I think also, uh, if you if you look at the cast they've they've managed to get for this film, um, in terms of young actors, um, Ty Sheridan and Scott Summers, who was in Baby Driver years before, uh, Jessica Chastain. He, wait, hold like, on. Who is he in Baby Driver? Because he's Baby the guy. Driver. No, he's not. Ansel Elgort is Baby Driver. I'm sure it's him. No, you're so wrong, mate. Is it not Cause, him? Cause I, I was with I, I was with a mate of mine when I watched this film the other day, and he said the same thing to me. He said, "That's <laughs> the guy from Baby Driver, isn't it?" And I said, "No, it's not. Baby Driver is Ansel Elgort, and it's a fucking fantastic casting." Uh, how can you not like? He looks exactly the same. Down. I am Go- Google it, man. But hands up. You, you know what, Ty Sheridan is. He is. He's in. Um, he's in Ready Player One. He's, in he's Ready the main Player guy One. in Ready Player One. Um, he's also in X-Men Apocalypse. Like that. Have you heard about that? <laughs> <laughs> I will mention several times um, throughout this episode that I've watched X-Men Apocalypse. Uh, it will become he, relevant he also, in lots of situations. <laughs> here, here's, an interesting, uh, here's an interesting tidbit for you. Oh, nice. Um, we like tidbits. He, he was also... He was also in um, the Stanford Prison Experiment film, which was quite good. Um, and he was in Mud, which was the start of the decline of the Matthew McConaughey renaissance. Oh. You know how, like, you know how there was that stage, that, like, golden period for about a year, I think it was, like, 2014, where True Detective was out, fucking Interstellar was about to come out, and everyone was like, there's nothing that Matthew McConaughey can't do. Yeah. And then he kind of just plummeted again. And mud was like, the, mud was the one. What has he done recently? Well, Interstellar. Like, I remember McConaughey. watching on Graham Norton, um, Matthew McConaughey, and Anne Hathaway talking about Matthew, Matthew McConaughey and saying that mud is the performance that people are like, oh, that's Matthew McConaughey's best work. So, is it mm. really bad? I, I think Matthew that McCon- was okay. I think Matthew McConaughey's best role in the last five years was being the voice of Buster Moon in Sing. Oh, Did you God. watch Sing? Sing was such a great film. Uh, no one deserved that film. No one deserved that film. It was fantastic. It was so like, you good. Know what? 
that is something we are in I, I don't want to say golden age of like family films but we are certainly clawing back that early Toy Story Incredibles era like mm. some of the stuff that's coming out recently has just been I mean Inside Out was like revolutionary like it, it, it was a it was an incredible movie. But it's also um, like... Sing not... was an incredible movie. Um, but Illumination Pictures shame. have changed the game, haven't they? Because it just used to be Pixar. Like, nothing could really compete yeah. with Pixar, apart from the yeah, Mad- Madagascar fr- franchise. Like, DreamWorks Which is had DreamWorks. some of them. Yeah. Like, it was Ice I, Age I would and... Say, yeah, they kind of lost it with Kung Fu Panda, didn't they, when they did, like, the 15th film. Did you ever play the video I game think... of Kung Fu Panda? <laughs> of course I did, bro. I played the Madagascar <laughs> computer game. Do you remember that? Yes, I you, do you remember the Madagascar computer game. You collecting bananas. Oh, my brilliant. gosh. Um, from the I defy, I defy you to find a better platformer than that and Crash Bandicoot Warped. <laughs> Those are the two best platforms other than Ratchet and Clank locked and loaded. There you go. Those are the three best platformers. Oh, fuck it. I'm going to go and dig out my PS2 at some point soon. Oh, please do. I've got it I've got it set up in the house. I'm literally looking at my PS2. It's all its glory. I got... I, 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 I Tangent. My PS2 um, was really one of my prized possessions, but as I had one of those mini PS2s, and if you moved them in a, in a slight location, like if you the moved them slightly... Yeah, the disc would skip and the lasers would come out of alignment. Um, so I just moved it and it broke. So so all of those memories, all of those games, I've got so many games have broken. And I went to CX the other day and bought a new PS2. And it is being... How much was it? Oh, let, me, let me guess. It was it was 12 quid. No, it's more expensive than that. It's collector's 22. item, Jake. More expensive. More expensive? What? Yeah. Um, I, mate, I think I've got a spare one I could have just given you. Uh, 30 quid. <laughs> Uh, it was it was it was thirty five pounds. Thirty five pounds. That's not bad. It's not bad, it's, but you know, it is it's ancient not quite now. in that. It's not quite in that like iconic console frame though, because you can go into CEX and if you want to buy like a Nintendo GameCube, they're like sixty quid, oh, and yeah. then the games are all like fifteen quid. And it's like, come on, it wasn't that great. I wonder when the PS five is it will be released if the if it will go downhill from there. Maybe that's the time. Oh, do you remember well, we were talking about lo- X-Men? We were talking about X-Men once upon a time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, true. <laughs> How did we get here? <laughs> Mate, I don't know. I'm lost. Um, uh, I'm dazed and Backtracking. backtracking. Um, Favourite X-Men film before we really get into great, the... Great idea. Uh, X-Men 2. Yeah, is that Without the one doubt. where they... That's the one where they go to Stryker's base and they find where Wolverine was created and there's that... Stryker's got that weird disabled son with the different coloured eyes. That used to terrify me as a kid. I, it just had... I just think it has some of the best sequences and darkest moments. I mean, I remember as a kid watching that and watching Magneto um, escape from prison by using the blood. Oh, he's what well, he's in the um, he, he's in he's the, in the plastic, plastic prison. prison, isn't he? Yeah. And he breaks. He, he takes what does he take like the magnesium out of some guy's blood? Yeah, which is in, and he which uses is those, he uses those weird before. little balls, doesn't he? Yeah. Also, yeah, this might be yeah. controversial opinion to any millennials who are younger than us to watching this, but Rebecca Ma- Romaine is the best mystique. I will still maintain. Oh yeah, yeah, completely agree. Completely Rebecca, agree. Jennifer physica- Lawrence. She didn't Jennifer say that Lawrence much. Jennifer Lawrence is a more physica- current actress, but yes. But the physicality of what Rebecca Romaine did with that car- part, with very little dialogue, I think she speaks like six times in the films, and they're all sort of like yeah. like attacking us. But just the physicality and the scariness of that character is amazing. Something that like Jennifer remember- Lawrence characters humanized too Do much. Do you remember like when? they did the original X-Men film and they were ballsy enough to have them all fight in the head of the Empire State Building. Not the Empire State Building, the uh, Statue of Liberty. Yes. They don't take risks like that anymore. Like, there was something great about the first X-Men film feeling like a real American patriotic... Like, it, it had this weird essence about it that felt like the mutants were really fighting for, like, the pride of the country. Okay. Well, I suppose this is my first thought in this film. <laughs> okay. No, no, I know. No, okay. Cheers, okay. Mate. No, no, no. I, I agree with you, and I, th- I suppose this leads me on to the, my first thought about this film: is that what makes X Men great as a concept is the idea of the X Men being others, the idea of the X Men being like excluded from society, and that's essentially what the plot of the first three films are. Even though people argue that X Men: Last Stand is not a good movie, it had an emotional heart to it because these characters were getting persecuted and that added an, a really important dynamic and that was what Stan Lee created it to be. In this film, it's better than X-Men Apocalypse, I will say, but de- but definitely not 
anywhere near the original three X-Men films or Days of Future Past, there's no stakes about the X- the mutants being mutants. Like there is at the beginning of the film, it's set up that the X-Men are celebrities, that they are um, that that tolerance has got better considering the X-Men are saving the planet and saving the world. They come back and have photo shoots and etc. But as soon as one mutant um, situation happens, which is when Jean Grey loses control, um, it's back to square one. There's no media fanfare. I think that's a good plot point. I just don't think it... It it just got shoehorned away by other bits and other pieces of this of the plot that just didn't really tangle together well that's that's the thing that's the thing about um this movie it's it it feels like lots of composite parts that were stitched together and it probably was i mean i i think the reason the reason for the reshoots was that they felt that they were going too far they weren't dark enough and they felt that they were going too far away from the core narrative of jean gray like uncovering her past and kind of figuring herself out and i actually think that that whole narrative in this movie was arguably the most boring part of it it was like the boring framework for a slightly more interesting more um easygoing X-Men plot to kind of come out. So like they you have these aliens that are kind of they're like sort of the villains in this film. The reason but, but, I say sort of is because you can tell because of the way they cast well they cast Jessica Chastain and uh, I mean boring as fuck. But like they cast some big names as these aliens looking like humans. They're basically t- the Terminators from Terminator Two. Um, they do that whole thing where they walk towards people with loads of bullets being fired at them, and they're just unfazed by it, and their skin comes back. It's all quite, you know, everyone's done it before. They are generic um, aliens. Yeah. They they don't um, die because of bullets. That's pretty much. Yeah. They're just generic aliens. And you actually only see them in their true form once, right mm-hmm. at the start, when you're first introduced to them, but it's not nearly enough because they actually look quite cool um, and they throw that away. Um, but the, you, you can tell as you're going through this film in the kind of the depth of the acting and the seriousness of the alien scenes that there is 100% a movie in there that had so much more screen time for those villains that was axed. Um, and I, as I went through the movie, like... Everything felt perfectly fine. Like, it's a completely serviceable movie with some relatively good nuance at times from some of the better actors, but then a complete disregard for the development of some of the other characters and a massive disregard for the villains. Um, a, a, a big example in it that really pissed me off, and I don't know if you're a, you picked up on this as well, um, Coming out of the back of Days of Future Past, and I don't know how important he is in the Apocalypse film that came after it, but coming out of Days of Future Past, Quicksilver... I'm glad you um, mentioned this. I'm very played, glad you mentioned by, this. Um, his name escapes me, the guy from Evan uh, Peters. American Horror Story. Evan Peters, who's also in American Animals. He's a, he's a, he's a brilliant actor. Um, he was the star of the show. He was, like, hands down the best character they had um, and provided the most imaginative and interesting sequences um what happens in this film you see him be the star of the show of kind of the opening like spaceship rescue um and then about a third maybe halfway through the film uh phoenix has this standoff with the x-men classic you know teenager with powers acting out bullshit um and she like hits him really badly and he like goes through a load of like walls and he's like discarded and he gets really injured um they never return to him like he 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 returns from that mission to the x-men academy um injured on a stretcher and they never clarify whether he's fine the whole way right up until the end credits and that is just like who the fuck didn't realize that they didn't at least like at the very least shoehorn him in on like a final scene where they're all together well this is the thing nothing nothing was given and that i just i found that unforgivable that was ridiculous how can you throw away your most uh entertaining asset like that just just bang gone we don't need to see him for the rest of the movie 
con- context from X-Men 4, which furthers your point and it makes me more angry, is that uh, it was revealed that um, Quicksilver, like in the comics, is Magneto's son. And Magneto, they don't find out in the film. Like, it's not mentioned. Magneto doesn't find out that Quicksilver is his son. Quicksilver just... No, just knows and is about to tell him and then Storm at the end of X-Men 4 says to uh, Quicksilver are you ever going to tell are you ever going to tell your dad that it's he's your dad and Quicksilver says no nah, maybe but at the moment I'm just going to stick with the X-Men and that that was that was the moment I was like oh they're writing this character off because the, it's such a shame because it's literally the best part of Days of Future Past is Quicksilver. He changes. And you, and you know what? He does something so novel, and they did s- such a novel thing with his speed and his like quirky character. He was just fun. But but that's also that, that's also the thing that fucked me off was he, in some of the earlier scenes where he's walking around the school. Um, he's kind of adopting this gruff. Uh, cocky Wolverine persona for the younger kids in the academy, which is really great because you watch him and he like he tells kids to like he's like I oh, can stop running or whatever at some point early on in the film and I loved it because it felt just like the way Hugh Jackman would walk around that 100%. same set saying stuff as Wolverine, who's like the professor that everyone's a little bit scared of, and I just thought that was so great. Like they're finally they they actually have they're never going to be able to replicate Wolverine for you know a good many years in my opinion. Um, it, it's probably uh, I don't know I, I would maybe go as far as saying Hugh Jackman as Logan is the most iconic superhero role we've had in film history um, but we can table that for a minute let's let's carry on with Dark Phoenix and then you can and tell also, me what you think lo- no, well, quickly Logan is also the best ending I think of any superhero film should have closed the franchise yes but then the thing is obviously all of this has been sold back to Disney and ergo back to Marvel now, which is exciting because it means that Marvel's going to have a chance to play with Deadpool, Fantastic Four, X-Men, all of those IPs they haven't had in ownership for quite a long time. Mm. But they didn't know, they had no idea that was going to happen when they started making these movies. So it's almost like with canning the New Mutants and pushing this through and not ending with Logan, it was kind of the most straightforward and amicable way to end the breakup. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like they had no idea it was going to happen, but everyone everyone lost energy when they knew it was going to happen and it all became kind of... It also feels like it all kind of became everyone else's problem right yeah. up to the finish line. Uh, even in the marketing of this film, it's not nearly happened soon enough and not nearly happened well enough, which is a huge factor in, like, I, I feel like studios recently, in the current, like, social media age, in the way, like, I mean, for example, Doctor Sleep, which is the Stephen King follow-up to The Shining, um, they released a trailer for the movie adaptation the other day, which has Ewan McGregor in it. Have you seen it? I have not seen that, no. Right. It racked up about 8.5 million views on YouTube in 24 hours. The reason it did that is because it's a good trailer with a good cast of an exciting concept, but it just caught like a social media wildfire. It's just like they did it right and they put like all these different advertisements out at the same time and it just it was a whole campaign that came together to give that film the kind of fanfare that it needs ahead of its release in like November. Yeah. Um, the same thing happened with the Joker movie which comes out in October, they kind of teased and teased and teased and they gave you these little bits from the set and then they finally revealed this magnificent trailer, which I saw for the first time on a cinema screen when I went to go and watch this movie and it was just like, it's mind-blowing. Like, I can't Mm. wait to watch that film. But the reason I feel like that isn't just because I'm so excited about that character because I get excited about the X-Men. Like, I've arguably been more invested in the X-Men for longer than I have Batman and the Joker. But the way they handle it has led to my excitement and nothing other than the trailer me watching it and thinking oh that doesn't look as bad as I was expecting nothing has been gripping about any of the marketing of this film and it makes me think it's so many studios get snobby about it and they seem to think oh well if we make a good movie and we put all of our eggs into that basket then it's going to be fine people are going to watch it but the sad truth of today is major commercial blockbusters like this don't always work if everyone already feels like it's going to be a bit shit. 
Yeah. And so all all you see before this film coming out is there's problems on set, there's reshoots, the director's not very happy about it, none of the cast are turning up for press junkets, there's no like cool videos with them sitting on Jimmy Kimmel talking about how fun it was making the film. And so there's there's none of the experience that comes with the more successful films which makes you think that if they're dropping it, well, fuck it, why would I bother to go and pay 14 quid to go and watch it in Odeon on a Friday night? Yeah. But it's a bad and example. That's why the, and, that, and that's why the screens have been so empty. It's a bad example, but think about the buzz of when the Suicide Squad was first, like the trailer was first, came out for Suicide Squad, and that cast just went round and round, and Twitter was just full up of, like, different, like, dead shot previews with Viola Davis and stuff like that. And that got the fervour. Yes, the film's terrible, but, like, it, it caught an imagination that, like, if the film was good, would have blown up as big as Avengers Endgame. Marvel do it right every time, though. Marvel has got the 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 format of how to sell a movie right every single time. Um, I was reading an interview with the director as well, and he seemed to say that um, things were going wrong from the beginning. There's like a rumour that uh, James Cameron asked him to move back the film from February to summer because of Alita Battle Angel, which is a very interesting thing to thing to say. Um, and I think, I think it which, links... Which- which I reviewed, but you didn't, right? Yes, you you gave a have you, you wa- a have, have you watched it? Have you watched no. it? I can give you a review uh, of Aladdin. That's what I could do. You know, you- <laughs> so can I. I mean, <laughs> uh, well. you- right, okay. Let's do like a let's do like a three minute review of Aladdin. You go, then I go. Okay. Um, shouldn't have been. It should have been a like a straight action, no singing musical because Guy Ritchie does not know how to direct music numbers. Um, I enjoyed Will Smith as the genie, but I didn't think he was amazing. I thought he was fine. Um, and I think maybe I was expecting it to be more because I watched, rewatched Aladdin, the original film, and I think what made the original film Aladdin so good is Robin Williams. And I think that actually the rest of the story of Aladdin is actually slightly dull in comparison to a lot of the other amazing Disney films. I think Robin Williams just stole the show. Um, yeah. And I, and okay. I found the film meh. All right, my turn. Um, should not have been two hours and 10 minutes long. Yes. Um, I... Went to watch it with my mum and five minutes in, we realised it is actually a musical. We both completely forgotten and we both yawned. Um, <laughs> Will, Will, Will Smith is Will Smith is un but like unbelievably cringy at some points, and then really, really won me over at other points. It was the weirdest dichotomy of a role ever. Yeah, um, I don't understand how it can be so shit and so funny at the same time. <laughs> um, uh, but I also found it so cringe that they use a really diverse cast and then they all sound perfectly affluent and American and rich and it's like they're all from the fucking slums and they're like there's not a blemish on them like I know that it's a Disney film but like come on make it feel a bit more realistic yeah. um, and I cried when they did the I Can Show You The World song because as much as I really disliked the guy playing Aladdin um, I really liked the actress playing Jasmine and damn it, like they did have some chemistry and it was like when they do the whole magic carpet bit, it was really lovely. Yeah. And it reminded me why I enjoy Aladdin so much, but the film wasn't very good. What do you think of the last five out of ten? Five, it's it's a it's a five for me as well. Yeah, good review. Also the um, anyway, no. Let's let's yeah awful. Let's return to um, the, the 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 dark phoenix in the room. Um, Who's the dark phoenix in the I... room? Who's the dark you. phoenix in the room? <laughs> um, one thing that did get me in this film, and I was really like touched by it because I thought it was I thought it was quite ballsy. You you've got to remember that if this film wasn't destined to be the final X-Men movie, that it did have films that followed it inevitably and that would have gave it more stakes. So obviously in Days of Future Past, Wolverine changed the narrative, which meant that all of the original X-Men films and the relationship with Wolverine and Jean Grey and the original Mystique and all of that um, exists now in another timeline. And so this new timeline is moving forward with younger versions of the characters, but to a different future. And what I did really like 
um, is that in the big scrap with Phoenix about halfway through, she ends up inadvertently killing Raven. Um, and it was quite a touching moment. I mm. thought it was quite well acted by Jennifer Lawrence. I thought it was, um, it was good. And I can't help but feel like this film would feel incredibly dark and incredibly powerful considering the way that happens, which is a major twist, but also that they kind of turn, they kind of make you turn on Xavier throughout this film. They make you think he's actually a bit manipulative and actually a bit of an arsehole. Um, And they don't really resolve that. They leave you feeling like his only friend is Magneto inviting him to play a game of chess in Paris at the end of the film. Um, And... It, for that reason, it's a really bad tying off of the Fox telling of X-Men because it's not a franchise ending. No. Um, but, it, but it would have been, in my opinion, so much more impactful if this was about to lead to more films going off into a new Uncharted territory. It's quite exciting that they were actually prepared to kill off arguably their most um, popular character. Um, it, I, I liked it and I thought the acting was quite good especially considering the guy who plays Beast I've completely forgotten his name Nicholas um, Holt Nicholas Holt that's it um, they they were they were in a long term relationship they were dating yeah <laughs> they were dating for years yeah when Jennifer and... Lawrence won her first Oscar she kissed Nicholas Holt um, as the yeah. person yeah it was, it was, it was quite yeah, yeah. when was that 2011 2012 I, I don't know, but the relationship was at least a good few years, yeah, and yeah. they had a they had a really bad breakup, and I can't imagine the money needed to get them into <laughs> into the room to carry on those characters. I because know. imagine it being your ex girlfriend, no matter what line of work you're in, but in this line of work, you're having to act a scene where your ex-girlfriend who probably has like put you through all sorts of emotional shit and you her is impaled on a wooden spike and you have to really act like you give a fuck yeah (laughs) and also scenes also scenes where they're like openly discussing their like relationships not a relationship anymore and then they're talking about like Magneto because she also had a relationship with Magneto and you're like oh is this like feeding into like the argument narratives of like what they actually did in real life is this what is this what they're they're like they're now like replaying their arguments and then imagine if the the reason (gasps) they broke up in real life is because Michael Fassbender had an affair with Jennifer (gasps) Lawrence and then then they and then they have to do this narrative I know (laughs) three of them (laughs) I know it's awful Um, weirder things have happened I completely agree with you on the um, it just feeling like it should have been the start of something Um, I don't know if I've mentioned on this podcast but um, I've watched X-Men 4 um, Apocalypse. Oh, oh, have you? Yeah. Oh, wicked. When yeah. did you watch that? Yeah. Um, just two hours ago. Um, oh, great. Good, great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe I've just mentioned it. Um, X-Men, X-Men, X-Men Apocalypse is such a bad film because they are trying to force create so many characters at once. And what was quite nice about Dark Phoenix is that it felt like, yes, although there was a lot of convoluted plot points, it did feel like you were just getting you were getting more of a taste of some of the characters. If they then develop that, that would be really interesting. I'd love to see like Sophie Turner's Jean Grey well, now she's dead, I suppose. Uh, spoiler alert, Jean Grey dies at the end of the movie. It's not that much of a spoiler alert, considering it was in a, written in a comic in 1980. But, um, and it also happened on X-Men 3. Um, but it's not, but, you know, spoiler. Um, it, yeah, it, it would have been an amazing launch pad, as well as Game of Thrones, to then go straight into an X-Men film and her do, I would say, a pretty good performance. I think Sophie Turner's really good in this film. Um, yeah, she's all right. But is she though? Is the film te- film meh and she's good? I think she's good in the film's meh. No, no. I think <laughs> I, I think I think in my opinion, yeah. The character every time it's been portrayed in a live action film is a bit meh, and I think it's almost an unwinnable battle. I it still baffles me why they went back to this narrative when it's been the least successful X-Men film prior to Apocalypse coming out. Um, I just don't get it. Um, it it doesn't and, and and to think that they could use a younger cast that aren't really fleshed out and aren't that popular and it could rival the twisted love triangle of 
James Marsden. Yes, Will, do you remember? James Marsden was Cyclops. Yes, I do. Like, he was amazing. Um, why, why did they think that they could... Why? Uh, this is my problem. This is my biggest problem with this movie. Some of the casting is great. James McAvoy, Michael Fassbender, Jennifer Lawrence, uh, Nicholas Holt. The newer cast... They haven't nearly given enough time to. They haven't nearly made them likeable enough. And they just come off as such boring versions of such iconic characters. They come across as wet. Like, They're written as yeah, wet. It's sad. Really, it, it feels like you're watching the like a, a live-action Teen Titans. Yeah. Like... Like they're, they're, they're just crap um, and they're not crap because the actors portraying them are rubbish they're crap because the way they've taken the characters and the way they don't nearly compare to the iconic roles that have been before them um, they, they just don't work yeah. um, they're, just, they're just rehashing something that doesn't need to be rehashed like, for, like Storm in this film rubbish like so boring like how can you even replace Halle Berry first um and how can you think that if you just use a black actress who's almost a replica of Halle Berry but younger how do you think that's going to work like they give her no personality of herself they don't reimagine the character in any way they do the same thing with Kurt um Nightcrawler like, yes, he's kind of entertaining at some points, but on a, oh, that's kind of cool level, not like a, oh, wow, like, he's actually quite a good addition. The um, only, they're only really there for their powers, for the big sepsis pieces. Yeah. That's the reason. So, so they Cyclops, can get... Cyclops is boring. Like they, Nitro's they just, there to just, transport just... them. That's why he's there. They're not entertaining, and I hate to say it in like this modern world, but they have no sex appeal. And so I'm not saying that you need to. I'm not saying that you need to rely on that. Um, but there isn't anything particularly attractive or sensual about this retelling of the X Men. Well, yeah, but that. But I think what you mean, what you also mean by that, is because the lens that they're trying to create is that of the old X Men films, which were inherently sexy had an inherent, yeah. like, sex-charged nature to them. And also the comics, like, which dealt with, like, a, lots of sordid, sexy topics. Like, that was what the X-Men film were. And it's kind of not, it's kind of presented as that, but they're not there. What they could have done with this young cast is done some, kind of like a, like a teen Stranger Things, almost. Like, and do it, do something like what the New Mutants are doing. They they have the potential with having a younger cast to really play off the older actors who've been there for a while and the younger actors. And it's just squandered as the younger act and actors. Okay, well, we're not. We're just going to have them for their powers. They don't really matter to this. Jean Jean Grey matters, but Cyclops doesn't matter. Even Cyclops, he does not matter to this story at all. And every time yeah. that he is sad about Jean or anything, it is the, the some of the worst acting. Ever and some of the worst writing no, ever. Com completely, completely. And, and, and another element that annoyed me was that, well, when Phoenix goes all Phoenix towards the end of the film, when it's Phoenix basically goes I, all I, 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 no, but I literally, <laughs> I literally, I literally, I turned to David that I was watching this with, and um, yeah, I watched it with David. How cute, right? Yeah, Did yeah, one of our, one of our uni mates. Yeah, oh, yeah. Um, that's lovely. But I, I turned to him and he turned to me and we almost said it at exactly the same time we said are we watching Captain Marvel because it does the, it does like it literally like they use like the same graphic design for her looking all like red and glowy yeah. and it's just like oh god just like another way that they're not shifting it up at all um just a just a quick I also I gone quickly before you go on um in X-Men Apocalypse Jean Grey uses the phoenix power to beat Apocalypse so what's the point in her she does uh, to beat Apocalypse she does more impressive Phoenix magic wizardry than actually she does in this entire film mm. it's a joke anyway continue it's a joke um, <laughs> I think the, the the final thing that annoyed me and this is really irrelevant and really like probably clutching at straws as a way to criticise this film but it ends <laughs> with it ends with two old white men Michael Fassbender and James McAvoy sitting down in Paris enjoying a nice coffee and finishing with a game of chess and it was meant to be this sweet moment of two friends who've been through it all together like 
patching their wounds and just settling the differences. But what it came across to as me when I finished this film was, hold on, this is two blokes who claim to be leaders who have just led people down a lane of lies which has resulted in two young women in their care being brutally murdered. And you guys are fine. You just get to fucking play chess by the Eiffel Tower. Yeah. Like, oh, it just did my nothing. It was such an insensitive and, and weak way to end the film. Like, if they were going to actually... I, I know that they've obviously had to change it to kind of give it some kind of sense of tying off now that they're not going to make any more. But if that film was actually going to be the paving stone to a few more movies, what it should have been is Professor Xavier going into hiding, maybe under the care of Magneto, and the young... X-Men banding together and like round a dark fire one night being like we're going to avenge them or something and it's got this really fucking dark undertone of oh here we go like the young X-Men are going to they're out for blood and then it would like go into the next movie and it might actually give them the chance to be entertaining but no it chastises them all again cuts their balls off and just ends it with two old white men playing chess did my name I think the other it's thing... Rubbish. That I, it's a rubbish ending. I think I'm... What The other thing I missed from this is the... Do you remember the theme tune, which was amazing for the old X-Men films? Mm-hmm. And it's slowly been, like, phased out. And do you remember in the original X-Men films where they used to do the tunnel into, like, the like the brain cells and it used to have these crazy, like, opening credits that all ended in Cerebro and then just the, the, yeah. cl- the click turning? None of that coolness none of that like excitement about like it being i don't know the final x-men film is used it's all just it feels like a very new thing and that is not a round off story at all it doesn't feel it like doesn't, any of it the doesn't round- take it also what happened to it X-Men doesn't take first any class? risks like x-men first class is kind of ignored in a way like that's kind of just taken away it, it just feels like its own separate entity it doesn't feel like it's rounding up either the past or the present parts of x-men yeah Anyway, well, yeah. <laughs> having said all that, I will say, um, I, I, I think we've been harping on the, how bad this film is for a couple of things. There are a couple of good, fun moments and bits that I was like, oh, I'm watching an X-Men film. I like that. Um, there what, are what, the couple... train scene? Um, <laughs> the train scene. Um, at the end of the film, for context to the listeners, there is a scene where... Um, they're battling the an army of lots of aliens and then Jessica Chastain and there's, there's very little stakes. Um, I would say that the, the the end fight scene of the film should have been the scene outside the embassy or the scene outside the aliens' lair. I thought that was really yeah. compelling. I thought that it was, it was really cool that, that all they were trying to do was get to a door. That was it. That was the entire basis of the scene. It was all they were doing was crossing a road. I thought that was quite Why did it compelling. need to carry on? Yeah. Why did it have to like turn into this massive sci-fi affair when all the characters were there? It just felt like a it just felt like an extension to bring the army. Like that's all it needed. That like, like the reason the train scene existed was so the big alien army could come. And that's not the interesting thing. I thought I thought the most interesting part of that, if if the film had a 20 to 30 minutes, very highly packed, stakes-filled moment in that building, I would have enjoyed it more. The train scene was... Yeah, definitely. Was, yeah. Definitely. But there are, like, there's, there's huge power imbalance as well in this film. So, for example, um, when Magneto goes into that building to try and stop Phoenix, Phoenix, like, uses her powers to, like, crush Magneto's helmet against his head, right? And it goes on for about 15 seconds and it's kind of crushing and you're thinking, oh my God, this is going to burst his head like Game of Thrones style. And it doesn't. All it does is leave a few scratches on his head and then it breaks and he gets thrown away. Come on. Like, she's so ridiculously powerful. Why would she be underperforming just to crush his head a tiny bit? Like, if she was going to try and crush his head with his metal helmet, she'd crush it in an instant. That would be it. Like, come on, let's, let's not go through this, like, cocktease superpower mode where you, like, you're, like, watching Michael Fassbender's face. You're like, oh, my God, is it going to break? Is it going to break? And then it doesn't. Like, it... It unequivocally would if that yeah. was a real situation that they were fighting in. And also, like, it's not, it's not, it's not even a power play because the power play would be just killing him, and then the rest of the like seven X Men who's about to attack, she would like, like you, you would not be able to do it. It just, it just, it just read false, yeah. and like the whole, yeah. 
Shall we? Shall we move um, on to critic quote, or have you got any more yeah, notes? Yeah, because I, cause yeah, I feel like we're, um, we're, I feel like I, I'm, I'm releasing so much energy. Yeah, I did. Look, I there were moments in this movie that, like you said, the action sequences weren't half bad. There's quite a cool action sequence with some helicopters where, like, Phoenix and Magneto are like fighting over the power of a helicopter, and then Magneto like gets all the soldiers to jump back in it, and then like throws it back into the air so that it can fly off. And like, there yeah. are moments like that we are like, oh, this is cool. We need more of this, but it just doubles down on the melodrama, which is severely like severely underwhelming and really badly acted and doesn't take you to those places you would hope it would as a superhero film. Yeah. And Jessica, Jessica Chastain is just disappointing because the original plot of the Phoenix um, film is that it should be Emma Frost. But they've obviously used Emma Frost in X-Men First Class, so they can't use Emma Frost again. So that's the reason why Jessica Chastain has white hair is that she's supposed to be like a, like a alien version of Emma Frost. That's the look they were going for. And, yeah, rubbish. Yeah, rubbish. Um, I think I think I'm so disappointed. I think this is what it is: is that it's the end of such an era of my own life of the X Men films. Like, do you remember it, watching? You, yeah, watching the first X Men films and like think and just and just really enjoying them, and then it led on to spin offs about Wolverine. And yes, X Men Origins Wolverine wasn't good, but then we got Logan and we got the Wolverine no, which whoa, is a good film. We I know, got, no, the Wolverine, got, I know. Yeah, the Wolverine. I know, I know. Everyone everyone ignores it. It's it's always the elephant in the room, but it's <laughs> quite a good it's quite a good film. Good. If you just want to tune out, watch Hugh Jackman, a fucking giant metal samurai and a bunch of like actually fairly well played Japanese culturalism, um it's quite a good film. Well, it's also cuz it's got a basic plot. It's just like it's got it's it, like the plot is like Wolverine is losing his his power to regenerate and he needs to get it back so he goes to Tokyo and fucks it up. Is that it? That's yeah, it, right? I, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I I am man too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is I am man too. What that this is ah oh. Just make the Iron Man films. Every superhero film if they just want to get by just need to make any version of the yeah. Iron Man films. What happened? Well, maybe we're, we're we're a fortnight away from uh, Spider-Man Homecoming aka Iron Man 4. Yeah, that's very, very true. It's going to be good. I need to watch, the, originals. I need to origi- watch the original Spider-Man. No, Spider-Man, it's far, Spider-Man Far From Home, isn't it? Spider-Man Homecoming's mm, the first oh one. Oh, yeah. Homecoming yeah, was yeah. the first one. Yeah, it's Far From Home. I need to home. watch Homecoming. I still haven't watched it. Have you not? No. No, it's good. Anyway, let's go on to Critical Cri- 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 <laughs> Awards. So, uh, for best description of Dark Phoenix, I had Roxana Hadidi of the Chesapeake Family Magazine. I have no idea where this came from. Wow. Um... She said, there are strong action set pieces here, but for the most part, Dark Phoenix chews through stories so quickly that the narrative ultimately lacks impact. That's very true. Like, they've been doing this for years. You can't fault it by saying that the action sequences are bad because they're not. They're just not as imaginative as as what other films are doing at the moment. Um, And it does. It chews through plot. Like, it goes through so much, but with so much imbalance. And it doesn't give anything the time to breathe and all of the serious acting quote unquote um feels forced um bar one scene when nicholas holt and xavier are drinking whiskey in the kitchen after raven's death and he smashes the bottle that's like i'd say that would be good enough for holby city um Like and that's oh. as good. That's as good as it. That's as good as it gets. I'll give it more credit than Holby City. Holby City's terrible. <laughs> Holby City is the worst of the worst. Oh no, the worst of the worst. Have you ever seen Doctors? No, I haven't. Doctors I is like a BBC to. One at like three o'clock. It might have been cancelled by now. I hope it has. I, and it is. I guarantee the- you. I guarantee you. I know a worse TV show. Have you ever heard of Teachers? It starred Andrew Lincoln before he was in The Walking Dead. No, fucking di- diabolical. Oh, wow, it's about okay. a bunch of ad- it's about a bunch of adults that work at a secondary school in the UK, and they all just like have affairs and shit. It's it's terrible. It's oh, so no. bad. Oh no, I don't want to watch that. Is it like a soap? Yeah. Oh god, I, I don't want to be watching teachers on a soap. That's just yeah, that's too too close to home. Um, right. Um, next one is. Next one is best description. Your first one. <laughs> My first one is um, 
Kent Garrison from the Mad About Movies podcast. I haven't listened to the Mad About Movies podcast, but I will now because Kent Garrison does a very shout, good... Shout out, ma'am. Yes, exactly. Shout out to Kent Garrison. Um, ma'am. Ma'am. I just got it. <laughs> Mad About Movies. Mad About Movies. Ma'am. That's very good. Um, he says, as an X-Men movie, it's passable, but as the conclusion of many X-Men movies, we can't help but feel disappointed. I think that's a sink to the point. I think it's just, it's such a shame that the last ever X-Men movie in this franchise type is going to be that yeah yeah it's, yeah, it's, no, it's I completely agree. it doesn't end on a bang it ends on a whimper yeah um adam graham from the detroit news agrees I've with that used so adam my, graham my... before he's good have you yeah he's he's a, bit, he's a bit of a savage old adam <laughs> um he he said the final battle takes place aboard a moving train that feels like it's headed nowhere at this point it's a perfect metaphor for the x-men series so true. Very Where did true. they think they were going? Yeah, I don't know. I, I, uh, it is such a shame because they just they had so many possibilities of what to do with this last film, and choosing the Phoenix storyline again is just is just a very odd decision. There's so much they could have done. Yeah. Uh, I, I feel like the end of this podcast is just going to be us like going like, just slowly sighing. It's just going to be us. Oh. Oh, oh, what could have been? Uh, my most savage is and to, and to think, and to think, I fucking I missed Love Island to go and watch this movie. Oh God, are you watching Love Island? <laughs> yeah, I'm addicted. Oh no, <laughs> so bad, so bad. But it makes you feel so good about your own life. You wake up in the morning, you got to skip in your step. <laughs> I, honestly, the amount of people who have told me that exact same phrase. They said it's terrible, but it makes you feel a bit good about your own life. I've heard that from about thirteen people. <laughs> yeah, well, it's what I used to say when I defended Jeremy Kyle, but I can't seem to do that anymore. What are you saying? Well, I'm the, the liberal left getting yeah. on my back. Yeah, very true. <laughs> um, it's always the bloody. It's always the bloody left. <laughs> oh, all right, Jake. <laughs> um, my last, my most savage point is from Matt Brunson from Film Frenzy. <laughs> And he says, Brunty. yeah, I know, Brunzy. Um, X-Men The Last Stand, it now looks as accomplished as Batman Begins. X-Men Apocalypse, it's been elevated to the state of as Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Even X-Men Origins Wolverine offers a whiff of Avengers Endgame quality by comparison. Um, oh, Jesus. Very harsh. I would say I disagree with him about Captain America, the Winter Soldier. I still really like that film. It's a good oh. film. It's one of my favourite Marvel fine. films to date. I know I'm 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 one of the few that still thinks this, but I love that film. I the one that I don't get is why everyone bangs on about how good Iron Man three is. I thought it was the weakest Iron Man film. Uh, I I don't like Iron Man three, but I do think it's very funny. I think that film's it's the less one where you Iron think Man the Mandarin is the villain for like an hour, and then it turns out he's actually not. Yeah. I think I think by the time it like hit me over the head with it like the fifteenth Tony like Tony Stark quip, uh, quip, I was like, okay, this film is not a serious Iron Man film; it's just a comedy. So yeah. it was fine. Um, did you have a favourite moment in Dark Phoenix? I did. God, what was it? <laughs> I did. I'm not going to tell you, but I did. Uh, it's uh, Jean Grey. Um, it's just Jean Grey. Um, no, it's the first scene of Jean Grey and her parents in the car. I think it's really well shot. I think that it's... I think it's got some sense of gravitas behind it. I don't yeah. really like when they go to the police station afterwards, but like that just opening shot of the car spinning and, like, them in the car and, like, the shield about Jean just watching her parents, like, fall to their deaths is horrific. Um, and I thought I thought that was where the film was going to go, and that was why I was excited yeah. that the film was going to go. And uh, spoiler alert, it didn't. Yeah, it was quite it was quite well done. It was quite dark actually. Like you you really do see like their bodies rocking about in the car, don't you? And I yeah. thought, fucking hell, this is a bit this is a bit close to the mark. Um, yeah, it was quite well done. I think my favourite scene was um, oh, I don't know, man. I it was just like. <laughs> It was like it was like little bits that I thought were interesting that I wish were kind of distributed more through the film. So like we were talking about with Detective Pikachu 
in the last episode that what was so great about it was it felt like this fully realized world and there were all these little moments like you'd like look across and in the background there'd be like the panda pokemon like up in a bamboo tree or something and yeah. it's like they didn't have to do that but they took the time to do it even if it's not in your field of view like maybe it's something people pick up on in the second or third viewing um there was none of that in this film um but there were elements that i wish that felt kind of interesting and world building that i wish they had more of so an example would be uh when the army turns up to stop the x-men from fighting um they use these like weird pulse guns that knock them out but then they like they drag them away with these like collars that are kind of like leashes and they like pull them away like they're in this really like inhumane like they're rabid dogs kind of way and i really liked that i thought that was really creative um and then i also really liked the scene where you get to see a little bit behind the scenes of the x-men academy and you see all of the younger x-men like having a party in the woods like teenagers would um i that really like really that cool. scene yeah you're right that is a really good scene yeah. and, and and they're there 100% should have been more of that creativity strewn throughout this film, and there just wasn't. Um, and that was a real shame, because mm. clearly there was someone on the team that had those ideas and was just stifled by the pressure and the stress and the desire to just get this out as a fully comprehensive product. Um, so, yeah, it was it was the little things that entertained me in this film. Um, the way it kind of meted together to be a whole uh, was disappointing. Yeah. I think I'll add on to my um, favourite scenes. The I think this this scene also showed a bit of promise, was, was the scene where Charles Xavier goes over to the phone, receives a call from the president at the beginning of the movie, and says, um, we'll be sending someone right away, and then the X-Men like the tennis court opens up and the jet yeah, comes out yeah, that's and, cool. they're, and they're all in their classic X-Men suits like ready to like they're, they're essentially the Thunderbirds at that point but like that that kind of is really cool like it's it's, it's cool yeah. like oh and they're all in the original X-Men suits it kind of feels a, a bit right in that yeah. um, and then yeah, I no, think I after that agree. they kind of lose that magic that's where it should have gone with a new fresh team and the problem is that the new fresh team weren't used yeah mm. yeah absolutely Absolutely. Um, all right, then, the big old question, uh, zero to ten, what would you give it, Will? I would give it uh, a five. Okay. Uh, because I think this film, is the, to me, is the definition of meh. Um, and I think that normally I put a meh film at, like, six, but because it's the end of the X-Men franchise, um, I feel like I'm going to have to be extra harsh on it. Um, yeah, so five. Yeah, I, I think upon reflection, I've found a lot of reasons why I'm frustrated with this film. But what I can't deny is, yes, I had drunk a Red Bull. Um, but I was... <laughs> I, 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 Are you flagging I, towards I, the I, end by chance? <laughs> well, well, no, 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 no. This, is, this is the point I'm trying to make, is, is like, I, I, I do have a very low attention span. And despite the energy drink that I may or may not have consumed before going into the movie, um, it did hold my attention pretty much the whole way through. Mm. Um, so I think a lot of it was carried on the fact that I care about X-Men as a franchise um, rather than the film itself. Um, but I can't deny that I did, you know, I wasn't bored. Um, I wasn't yawning. Um and I only really started to, to get frustrated with it after I left. Um, so for that reason, I'm going to give it a 5.5. Um, I think there's a lot to there's a lot to be frustrated with about this film. And considering how brilliantly we just watched one franchise tie itself up, um, it's it's severely disappointing to see another franchise just do it in this um, completely wipe their hands of it way. Um, but then at the end of the day, the guys making this film didn't really know that it was going to be yeah. the end so you can't you can't go too hard on them for that um i just i'm just left with this kind of empty feeling of it's not anyone's direct fault by the sounds of it but at the same time someone should have been steering this ship a little bit better and i'm now left with the frustration of a tarnished legacy of something I've cared about for so long. Um, I cared about the X-Men films way before I cared about the Marvel Comics universe, uh, cinematic universe, sorry. 
Oh, they felt so, so separate. They felt like they felt yeah. amazing, like because they were st- they felt like standalone like indie films, and it kind of it kind of paved the way, in my opinion, for Batman Begins to come out and films yeah. like this, where you took superheroes darker. And 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 for that reason, I actually feel a bit more impacted by this bad ending of a franchise than I do feel impacted by the good ending of the Avengers franchise because I was for the most part an adult or at least a teenager through the the Marvel period um, I was a kid when I watched the first X-Men films and I was a bit scared of them because they were quite intense and so this is arguably a bigger closing of a chapter for me than and probably for you as well than than Avengers was mm. um and I think that just leaves a uh, it leaves me with a sore feeling it leaves me with a bit of a uh, like I was hoping this could have been done better Logan made me feel like we were in safe hands clearly we weren't well I think <laughs> to end this to, I suppose to end the pos- podcast on a positive is that <laughs> <laughs> yeah god well claw it back mate I'm going to try helping. my best I'm going to try my best I promise um, I think the good thing is about this is that I didn't really care until today I hadn't watched X-Men Apocalypse which shows that I didn't care about the last end of the films mm, yeah. I watched it I watched it primarily so I had context to do this podcast I watched X-Men Dark Phoenix and, and Jake will tell you I was not excited about it until that trailer and I think that's why it annoyed me so much because I was like oh you raised my hopes I was expecting it to be bad originally you then raised my hopes and then you you okay it's actually not good and it's the end um, but the positive of this podcast is that we have had two very good endings in my opinion to our childhoods in this regard i think days of future past served as a beautiful ending of the original wrapped up cast including like the the alternative storyline etc it served as a yeah. nice way to bridge the gap into a new universe that didn't really work as we've seen but it also closed off nicely um, any inconsistencies that were left by x-men first class creating a new universe um, which I really enjoyed, and I thought that was really good. And then we both held hands <laughs> and watched Logan together as they encapsulated our childhood and rounded it off for essentially our, our audience, our age group, and maybe five, five, ten years above or below. Not below. They couldn't get in. Um, but... <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah we've had it we've had it and yes it's an annoyance this is a small blip of annoyance of ah why did I get my hopes raised for this film to be anything else but like a bit meh which which X-Men Apocalypse was obviously because I didn't watch it so you know what like thank you X-Men series You've already ended it already. You ended it a couple of years ago, but I didn't say at the time, but I'll say now, you've been amazing. Yeah. All right, then. So to, to end, to cap this all off, about 20 minutes ago, I said that I think that Hugh Jackman's Wolverine is the most iconic superhero of our generation on, you know, live action film. Hmm. Would you agree? Uh, I think I would. Uh, yeah. I would agree. Is he more iconic than Captain America and Iron Man? I think he is. I think Captain America definitely not. Captain America and Wolverine are not on the same standpoint at all. Iron Man, I think Wolverine still takes it because Wolverine did an amazing thing of spanning the gap. Iron Man for about launched, 20 years. Yeah, Iron Man launched the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but because Iron Man launched the Marvel Cinematic Universe, he became the poster boy of it, and etc. Whereas Wolverine like crossed from the 2001 to like what? When did when did Logan come out? 2016, 17? 17. 17. He spanned about 16 years also in a period of time where superheroes weren't the norm and still had the selling power to do that. And look what X-Men yeah. has become without him. Look, th- like, this is this is it. X-Men but without Wolverine looks like this. And that is the power of Hugh Jackman in that role. Um, mm. Yeah, so I think, I think just, I think Iron Man is still highly influential, um, especially in our current time. But I think in terms of best super, superheroes over the last couple of things, Wolverine's there. 
especially in how it ended. I think that Tony Stark's death is also beautiful, um, but it's not got the same res- resonance as a whole entire film dedicated to that one character. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, and there you have it. Oh, I feel really Best warm and fuzzy inside. on the planet. I know. We um, managed to feel fuzzy at the end. It's cute. <clears throat> what are we doing next, Will? We've got Toy Story 4 coming out. We've got Spider-Man Far From Home. Gosh, there's a lot There's a lot coming up. It was, it's, it's the summer season. Summer of love. It is. Tis the season to be in a dark, sweaty room. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Watching films with yeah. popcorn and a fruit shoot. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I I think another thing coming up is The Lion King as well, which we also should we oh, need to watch. It is, isn't it? Yeah. It is. That, yeah. Mm. I was thinking until we... Um, we just we ruined that this episode was we could have done a um a disney spectacular episode of like aladdin oh, well we, lion king we absolutely yeah when we review the lion king we need to dissect aladdin and dumbo and we need exactly. to finish our, <laughs> we need to look back we 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 predicted what we thought was going to be the best and i think i said in that prediction that dumbo was going to be all right aladdin was going to be surprisingly good and lion king was going to be average so I think now, in retrospect, if, we, if if I could adapt that, because Aladdin was terrible. Well, um, we're both going to adapt it and say we think Lion King is going to be the best. So what's the point in doing that? <laughs> yeah, we just like, got hope. That's just hope. <laughs> yeah, to be fair, that is very true. Yeah, that's a shame that, that they didn't live up to our expectations. But maybe Lion King is averagely good. <laughs> Happy Christmas. <laughs> 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 Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Uh, right, Ricky, well, we will, um, well, let's, let's off recording have a chat about <laughs> the plans for the next episode and oh, yeah, definitely. not come off like we don't have a fucking clue what we're doing next. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, thank you very much, mate. Thank you very much, Jake. Um, keep in touch with us on Instagram on the old 52 week film project at gmail.com uh, and on Facebook and we will see you all very soon bye